Hello and welcome to the Talking Techniques podcast. Brought to you by Biotechniques, this show brings you the latest from the frontiers of the life sciences, straight from the people exploring them. I'm your host, Biotechniques digital editor Tristan Free, and in this episode, supported by Biorad, I'll be looking at cell proliferation and its role in drug discovery. We'll explore the importance of measuring cell proliferation in these studies and the techniques that are required to do so. Coming up, we discuss the importance of combining different techniques to assess drug performance. I think it is so important, you're quite right, to have a, a combination of these techniques. And I think something like combining a Alamar Blue with a BRDU assay and then looking at some cell proliferation markers and using Western Block, I think that is a way to give a really good overview of how a drug is actually affecting the proliferation of cells. And find out why an assay is only as good as its antibody. But it's only with good specific antibodies that target each of these individual thymidine analogs that you really get the benefit from this type of experiment. Otherwise, if there's you know, a lot of cross-reactivity between the two, then the data that you're going to receive is going to be pretty hard to interpret. Before we discover another marvellous application of the juniper berry, this time in cancer research. Yes, the juniper that you find in, you know, eugens and all that stuff. Yeah, it's from that. Excellent. Well, another good reason for a gin and tonic. <laughs> you never know where you're going to find these things. My guest today is Rachel Preston, product development researcher at Biorad. Rachel, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So, Rachel, why would we measure cell proliferation when looking at drug discovery studies? That's a great opening question. So, Actually, the ability to detect changes in the number of cells in a division or changes in a cell population is actually really important for a number of different areas of scientific research. So anything from the testing, the effectiveness of cytotoxicity of a drug to the effect of growth factors on cell activity. So cell proliferation assays essentially can be used to assess normal cell health, to measure responses to toxic insults, or they can even be used to act as a prognostic or diagnostic tool in, in several cancers, actually. So they've got a pretty wide variety of you know, applicable areas of research. So the idea with measuring the sort of toxic insult to a, a culture of cells or a group of cells would be that if your cells are proliferating at a high rate, then that toxicity has not been effective, essentially, in knocking them out. Um, is that yeah, correct? Essentially, what you would be looking for if a drug is to provide cytotoxicity, you would want to see a reduction in the rate of cell proliferation. Okay, fantastic. And I guess that's the same for if you're trying to see if it's targeting cancer cells or something like that. So slowing their proliferation. Exactly that. Yeah, exactly. So you might even be wanting to look at it, whether it's specifically targeting the rate of proliferation in a particular group of cells or, or an area of cells. So say you've got a, a sample of you know tissue, then you could be look at cell proliferation markers in a specific area of that tissue that you suspect might be an area where cell proliferation is, is abnormal. So, you know, essentially a tumour. Fantastic. And so what kind of techniques would you be using to detect or measure this cell proliferation? So the types of assays you can use to measure cell proliferation are predominantly divided up into basically there's four main types. Um, so you've got your metabolic activity assays. So this would be something like Alamar Blue. You've got assays that target cell proliferation markers like PCNA using various immunological techniques. So 
you know, you could use an antibody targeting that specific proliferation marker. And, you know, the signal from that antibody could be detected using something like a Western blot or flow cytometry. So, you know, a immunological assay of your choice, basically. You've also got generational analysis by dilution of cell trace reagents and also DNA synthesis assays using thymidine analogs like BRDU or EDU. These thymidine analogs are incorporated into newly synthesized DNA during cell proliferation. So essentially, the more BRDU or EDU that's incorporated, this suggests that more DNA synthesis has has been undertaken and, and therefore indicates that a cell might have progressed through to the S phase of the cell cycle. And so how are you detecting whether or not those, so like BRDU has been incorporated into the DNA? So nowadays would be done with the use of a antibody that specifically targets the thymidine analog that you're using. So for example, if you are looking at the incorporation of BRDU in your cells, so you treated your cells with BRDU, or even you know the animals that you would obtain tissue from if you've treated them with BRDU, then you would use a antibody targeting BRDU specifically, hopefully, and then you would analyze the detection of that BRDU with that anti-BRDU antibody in the immunotechnique of your choice. So predominantly flow cytometry or or IF or IHC usually. Okay. So there's several different techniques that you can use. What are some of the advantages and disadvantages of each of these techniques? All right. So in general, BRDU assays and, and other DNA synthesis assays are considered the most accurate and reliable way to detect cell proliferation in a lab. So they're really useful for telling you how much new DNA is being synthesized and therefore give an indication of what proportion of a cell population has entered each stage of the cell cycle. They can also be analyzed using a number of different immunological techniques, like I mentioned earlier, so cytometry, IHC or IAF, depending on the type of sample and the equipment you actually have access to. So there are kind of low and high throughput options. So IHC would be a kind of like lower throughput option, whereas flow cytometry is going to perhaps give you a higher throughput option depending on, you know, the size of plate that you're analyzing and, and the number of samples and, and that kind of thing. But this type of assay can be quite complicated and time consuming. And actually, it's possible for thymosine analogs like BRG to actually lead to mutations and DNA damage themselves. So in some instances, and so they can actually have an effect on the cell cycle themselves, which is ideal when you're trying to measure cell proliferation. But they are currently probably one of the most reliable options that we have. Also found that metabolic activity assays such as LMR Blue are really useful. They tend to be compatible with a variety of instruments and high throughput studies. But it is important to bear in mind that the metabolic activity of a cell is only an indication of a cell's proliferation status. So it's not a direct measure of cell proliferation. Generational analysis by dilution of cell trace reagents provides live cell multi-day analysis of the number of generations or cell doublings from the point at which the dye is administered to the cells and therefore can provide an indication of the rate at which your cells are proliferating. But they don't really provide you with further information you might need about how a particular treatment is affecting cell proliferations, but they won't tell you the mechanism behind it if that makes sense. So you would need a combination of these assays in order to really tell you that and give you some detail. 
Okay, so there's obviously a, a load of different sort of benefits to each of these techniques and then also the limitations. So how would you select between them for different applications within a study of self-proliferation? So like I mentioned, it's always better to use more than one technique to be sure of what your results are telling you and to really dig into the you know nitty-gritty and, and the whys and the wherefores. But I would say when choosing the type of self-proliferation assay you want to use, the most important things to consider are the number and type of cells that you're studying and the mechanism of action that you want to study. So those are the most important things. And also really depend on what equipment is available and the type of sample that I had access to and the type of drug that I was trying to study. So if I want to simply look at whether a, a treatment is having an effect on the proliferation of cells, then I would probably look to perform a generational analysis by a dilution of cell trace reagent followed by flow cytometry. An ELISA-based animal blue assay would also provide insight into whether a treatment is affected on cell metabolism, therefore cell proliferation, using a relatively short, short protocol. So these would give you a, a really quick yes or no answer as to whether cell proliferation is being affected by a particular drug. So that would definitely be where I would start. If I wanted further information as to what proliferation markers might be being affected by a particular treatment, then I would perform a Western blot of photometry experiment using antibodies that target something like KI67 or PCNA. As these protocols tend to be fairly short, particularly in the case of multiplex photometry experiment can actually provide you with a lot of information. But this requires careful planning and um, selection of antibodies and appropriate fluorophores. But with the right planning, they can definitely be really useful. If I wanted more detail about the effect that the drug is having, I think IFRIHC performed on frozen or paraffin sections using antibodies that target proliferation markers. They do provide you with a lot more detail than if you were to simply look at these markers via Western blot. Or flow cytometry is it will tell you there's a particular area of a tissue that's highly expressing a proliferation marker. So like we kind of mentioned earlier, they, they're really good for perhaps showing what areas of a tissue are you know, expressing abnormal levels of a proliferation marker. So they will tell you where there are high levels of proliferation, so potentially a tumour. And so if upon drug treatment you saw a reduction in, in that area of cell proliferation, then, then that would tell you even more information again. You mentioned testing then on sort of frozen paraffin embedded tissues. Mm. So, and you mentioned earlier about BRDU can, and these assays can in, in certain, some ways damage the DNA present. Combined with the damage that you can get from freezing tissues in, in paraffin, how do you try and sort of account for that potential damage that could lead to maybe misleading results in terms of your cell proliferation assays? I think the simple answer to that really is control samples. You have got to have control samples. So part of the issue with BRDU is that particularly if you are treating cells, not necessarily tissue, but if you're treating cells, then you might well dilute the BRDU in DMSO. And that is obviously such a toxic in itself to a degree. But I think fundamentally when you're, you know, treating any cells or tissue with a particular well, with anything not necessarily a, a drug but any chemical you definitely need to have you know your controls in place to make sure that what you're seeing is an effect on the actual drug itself and not you know 
an effect of how you are treating the tissue afterwards, like you say, in kind of antigen retrieval or or anything like that. Or, you know, if you are putting the slides in acetone in the case of frozen sections or, or something like that. And so would you say that of the techniques that you've outlined there, there are any that lend themselves particularly well to their application in drug discovery? and sort of drug screening, or would you say it's a, I mean, you've, you've mentioned it's a combination of, of them that's really optimal. Which kind of combinations would you be using in, in a drug screening setting? So for me, I think it is so important, you're quite right, to have a, a combination of these techniques. And I think something like combining a Alamar blue assay or a, a cell trace reagents with a BRDU assay and then, you know, looking at some cell proliferation markers like PACNA or KI67 using Western blot or, or IHC. I think that for me is a way to give a really good overview of how a drug is actually affecting the proliferation of cells and would give you a pretty decent idea of the mechanism of how it's affecting it as well. So what, in your opinion, has been the most important recent development in these techniques used to study drug proliferation that you think has made a, a big change or allowed researchers to do a lot more with these kind of examinations? So honestly, I think it's the development of good um, specific antibodies that specifically target you know, a thymidine analogue like BRD or, or ADEU for DNA synthesis assays. These assays, like I said, are, are currently one of the most reliable types of assay that we have to study cell proliferation. And, you know, the development of good antibodies that target these thymidine analogs really has allowed so much more information to be determined from this type of experiment and really has made this experiment so much more reliable. You know, I think the use of BRTU and other thymidine analogs has really honestly been the most exciting development in the study of cell proliferation. Full stop. I mean, like prior to this, people would have had to use radioactive thymidine, which obviously not a lot of people would be happy about handling and would have involved quite long and arduous processes like silver staining to try and analyze the results. So, you know, the development of these assays as, you know, and antibodies targeting this thymidine analogs as a whole has been a really important development. But I would say that recently these antibodies have become more specific and with that increased specificity, this has allowed people to multiplex with different thymidine analogs. So you can treat your cells or, or your tissue with EDU and BRDU, for example. And that'll tell you much more information about the actual phase of the cell cycle that, that a cell is in. But it's only with good specific antibodies that target each of these individual thymidine analogs that you really get the benefit from this type of experiment. Otherwise, if there's you know, a lot of cross-reactivity between the two antibodies targeting the two different thymidine analogs, then you know, the data that you're going to receive is going to be pretty hard to interpret because you're going to get background signals. So yeah, the increased amount of specific antibodies has been you know, really important. And have you seen any particularly exciting examples of these techniques being used in drug discovery and, and turning up a really sort of groundbreaking finding or something that you wouldn't have expected to be able to find? Actually, I was reading about a study other, the other day. You know, my background is cancer genetics, so I'm always interested in, in anything that comes up in, in terms of, you know, cancer research and all that kind of thing. And so there was a study the other day by um, Saeed Al that was published this year. 
that showed that a primary discipline from juniper severage and nika um, inhibits the growth of ovarian and breast cancer cells. And this study was conducted using Alamar Blue predominantly. So, and these findings can obviously provide quite a exciting prospect for many patients with ovarian and breast cancer. So I thought that was really interesting. So is that a molecule that you mentioned, so the primane diterpene? Um, I hope I've got that <laughs> sort of right. Is that coming from juniper, as in like the juniper that you'd use to make yeah. gin? Yes, the juniper that you find in, you know, gins and all that stuff. Yeah, it's from that. So Excellent. Well, another good reason for a gin and tonic. <laughs> You never know where you're going to find these things. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well, if you could improve one aspect of our ability to measure cell proliferation, what would it be? So I know this is going to sound really, really simple, but it's, you know, perhaps more complicated than people think. But again, since one of, you know, DNA synthesis assays are one of the most reliable types of assay we use to measure cell proliferation, it would honestly be improvement in access to good quality data that shows the specificity of antibodies used to target these thymosine analogs. So showing that, you know, the cross-reactivity data of a BRDU antibody with, you know, against say PDU or, or EDU or, or thymidine itself. Like I said, it, it might sound really simple, but often an assay is only as good as the antibody you're using, right? So you want to be sure that you are using a BRDU antibody that is specific to BRDU. And so if it's binding to the endogenous thymidine in your cells, then that's you know not great. And I know you can put all the controls in place. You can put you know your untreated cells in there as well so that any background cross-reactivity with endogenous thymidine would be probably shown that way. But, you know, it's always better to be able to see the cross-reactivity data in the first place when you're selecting your antibody. And also, you know, I think these assays are best used when you do combine BRDU with another thymidine analog like EDU, which obviously you're not going to be able to necessarily just determine this information from untreated cells. So, you know, seeing that cross-reactivity data in the first place would be great, particularly if you're having to spend out the money on these antibodies. You want to make sure before you even buy them that you're getting a pretty good product. So, yeah, I think that would be, you know, one of the biggest improvements that we could do, to be honest. And I, th I think, you know, the more antibodies that we have this data for, the better, honestly. Excellent. Well, Rachel, that's been fantastic. That's all of my questions. Do you have any other remarks about this topic that you'd like to add? No, I think overall, like I say, really useful for such a variety of application in cancer research and, and other areas as well. And I think there is such a good amount of information out there as well. So I think the biggest thing that I would like to say to anybody who's doing this type of experiment is you're not alone. There are other people out there that will be doing a similar thing. And there are many people out there that will happily, myself included, will be happy to provide any information that they can about, you know, this, this type of vaccine and help you get the best out of it and provide, you know, tips and tricks and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, so I would, you know, look into the type of assay that you want to use. I would look into, you know, how you're going to analyze it and select your antibodies and your, and your assays really carefully. Seek 
help from others that have done it before, you know, definitely. And just planning is definitely key to this type of experiment for sure. Excellent. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been great to speak to you. Thank you. It's been lovely to speak to you too. If you would like to find more information regarding BioRad solutions for cell proliferation assays, you can find them on www.bio-rad.com or follow the links in the description below this episode. If you enjoyed the episode and would like to find more like them, you can check out the podcast section of our website over on www.biotechniques.com or follow at Tristan on Twitter for regular updates and threads on our latest episodes. Thank you for listening and goodbye.